Let's pray. Our gracious God, we ask that you would help us. Help us to understand what it means in the midst of the sometimes horrible experiences of our lives. Father, may we understand the implications when Jesus wept. And as we weep, Father, uh, guide us today in this word. Amen. Well, I hope it's been a good series for you. We're finally on the last one, Jesus Wept. And of course, when I was growing up in Bible Memory Association, we used to laugh at that verse. Everybody could do that one. And as a kid, we kind of laughed. It's, not, it's, it's quite an incredible verse and the implications. But you see, we've covered all of them, these verses. And what I want to simply say to you is, again, this just illustrates how important the sacred word is in our lives. In our moments of greatest need, we, we find comfort in, in the songs we sang on one another, but we find some of the greatest comfort that comes from God himself, through his word and through his spirit. My upbringing in my culture, my sub, evangelical subculture, and even in my family, when I grew up there was kind of an underlying value that was there, and I'm not saying it's a good value, but it was a value, and it was that men don't cry. You know, if any was an athletic event and somebody got hurt and started crying, the coach would jump all over them. What are you, baby? Stop crying. In my subculture, it was, it was inappropriate because men were supposed to be strong and men were supposed to gut it out and were never supposed to weep. But the practical realities are Jesus wept. On a number of occasions, Jesus wept. You see, crying is a natural response to human situations. Humans shed tears in a response to a wide range of emotions. Timothy Legg had a PhD in the value of crying, he says, is this. Soothing has a soothing effect. It gets the support of others. When we cry, it gives the support of others. Uh, it helps to relieve pain. Did you know that, crying? It enhances our mood. It releases toxins and releases, relieves stress. It aids in sleep. It helps fight bacteria and improves our vision. Crying improves our vision. And so we look this morning at Jesus who wept. He wept on a very, very special occasion that we'll unpack this morning. But folks, there's a long history of a certain kind of thought in theology. It's this. It's called the impassibility of God. Which means God is not able to suffer or experience pain or pleasure or in any way be responsive to the actions of human beings. Now stop and think about that. This is a well-established theological school of thought that God is not able to suffer, experience pain, pleasure, or to be acted upon by the actions of human beings. Well, if you want to look at the origins of that, and I don't have time to go into it, it's very important to see the origins of that. It's much more of the, the, the thinking of Plato than it is biblical thinking. Certainly it doesn't correspond to the Old Testament. The problem is that we see in the Old Testament that that thinking is that God weeps. We see in, in the flood God's gr his deep grief over the condition of humanity. We also see in the prophets many times where the prophet and God identify with the sins and the condition of the people, and you get the weeping. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He's the closest parallel of the prophets to Jesus, is Jeremiah. So I don't think the impassibility of God really stands the test as we look at the, particularly the scriptures. In our lifetime, there's been a counter-reaction movement to impassibility entitled Openness Theology. 
In open theology, it, it goes much the other direction to see that the personalness and the, and, the, and the involvement of God as He submerges Himself into human ex- experience and human existence. And so it tries to correct in one sense, and that has a long history to it in a certain strand of theology as well. But the point is, it tries to identify the personal nature of God and God's work. The difficulty of that school of thought is the issue of foreknowledge of God, and they wrestle with that one. But the point is, there's something really true to the idea that God finds himself involved deeply in humans' existence and in our lives. Now, I want to encourage us, however, to forget, not to forget the importance of reason and understanding of truth in our lives. I think it's so, far, it's so important because I think culturally we've probably gone too far to where emotions predominantly guide people. But we recognize the value of human beings who are made in the image of God with the ability to reason, the ability to express emotions, the ability to exercise the acts of the will. And emotions are part of being human. Remember, Jesus wept. However, we need to be guided by right thinking. Peter states, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you. And so, I, I, having a, a, a pool of understanding of, of our beliefs that we can defend and that we can speak to, that we can live out, is so important for us as believers. At the same time, remember, Jesus wept. I want to explore the story of Lazarus for just a few moments this morning, one that's familiar to us, but it's a very, very important story. If you read the book of John, you'll realize that the first miracle that shows Christ's glory or who he is was announced by the coming of the kingdom in the miracle of the turning of the water into wine. And that was a very, very important miracle. I can remember in being in Jerusalem in 1983 with 30 Lutheran pastors. And we were at the very site, or close to the site, where the, the miracle took place. And the leader of that group stepped forward and gave an unbelievable devotional about the importance of that miracle. And one of the things he said that's really important, it was that it was a trigger It was a trigger to the broader reality that when the Messiah comes, he's going to turn water into wine. Not only that, but the mountains will drip with sweet wine. In other words, anticipation of the great banquet, the great prosperity that will come ultimately in the kingdom of the Messiah. And what he's saying to us by that miracle, I've arrived. It's a trigger. It's a little little flashpoint that the Messiah has come in the very first miracle that Jesus performed. The final miracle that Jesus performed was to show His glory and the hope of the coming kingdom was the the miracle of resurrection. And the miracle of resurrection was first seen in Lazarus and, of course, then seen in our Savior. Of course, that was a very significant and the last of Jesus' miracles before His passion. By the way, there's ten times in the Bible where somebody has been risen from the dead. Ten times. Through the ministry of Elisha and Elijah and through the ministry of 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 Peter and Paul, and of course the ministry of our Savior, Jesus. Now I want to ask you a question. I want you to respond to me this morning. Why did Jesus weep? Why did he show such deep emotions at the death of Lazarus? There's not just one reason. There's many, many reasons. And so I want to ask you, if you can call it out and respond, why did he so emotionally, was so emotional and wept on this occasion? Why? Help me out. What's that? He's a human being, okay? There's the the full humanity of Christ under circumstances like this. So that's good. What else did he weep? Think of the context. Think of the bigger picture. Why did he weep? 
He lost a dear friend. Every time they came down to Jerusalem, there was one haven of rest in the midst of a city that he didn't really like coming to, was go to Bethany to be with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. His friend, his good friend, has died. Why else? He saw what? He saw his sisters grieve. Isn't that true? To see the sisters grieve over the loss of their brother, in the emotion of that, he, he wept. Why else? Their weak faith? Okay. Yes. Thank you. That's really good. Because afterwards, what it says in the context, after that, the religious leaders plotted to kill him. After a miracle like that, the religious leaders plotted to kill him. Why else? There might be a reason or two more. Why else? On the... He's seen the beginning of his end. He sees the beginning of his end, and this is all wrapped up in this last miracle and what has to come. Death is not a part of God's plan. Just the whole reality of death and what that means. All these emotions were overwhelming Jesus on this occasion. I think all of them were there. And so he weeps. Now the question I want to ask that Jesus wept, I want to ask another question is, why do we weep? I want to explore our weeping for a few moments. Let me just give a couple of them, and then I want to ask you, what causes us as people, humanity, to weep? But certainly the the loss of a loved one will cause us to weep. We have people in our church that are are now weeping. One of my good friends I talked to, a loss of her loved one, said, you know, I cry every day. I weep every day. There's others that face illness in the family and maybe some debilitating illness, and they're providing care. And in the agony of that experience and how difficult it is, there's many times, sometimes maybe in private, that they weep. Why else do we weep as we exist in this world? What else causes us to weep? What does? Joy. So there's a good side to it. Joy. We weep for joy. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good one. That kind of weeping will be in heaven, I suspect. Why else do we weep, folks? Let's be honest. The state of the world in various ways. Doesn't that cause us to weep? We see the injustice and what that does and how it hurts people. People are always getting ground up. We see racial tension among us. We see it. We experience it. We grieve over it. We weep. What else? In our lives do we weep? Weep for our kids. Some of us in this room, I suppose all of us care deeply about our kids and our grandkids. That's in our hearts all the time. And there's times we weep. Certainly. Anything else? Okay, we weep when we lose somebody for that, but then we also feel that we might have failed them. And that gives us grief. Yeah? Mourn with those who mourn. Yep, Bob. Mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. So we experience the same experiences of Jesus. And uh, that's the reality in the world we live in. Just think for a moment about people who have no hope beyond the grave. 
Just stop to think about that for a minute, folks, in terms of what we've talked about, the weeping that we experience and, and what Jesus experienced. What about people who have no hope that exists beyond this life? What might it look like to have no future hope or reality? And many people live with our, in our lives that we associate with day in and day out are people who don't believe that there's another reality or another existence beyond this world. And stop and think when you experience pain and you see such pain and you weep in such ways to have no future reality in mind. Because, folks, when we weep, we weep, but with resurrection hope. Lazarus' death was a precursor to the death of our Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. We have hope beyond life, this life. And folks, it affects the way we live every day of our present existence. Even in the midst of great difficulties at times in our lives, I'm impressed with people, people of faith who go through some terribly tough situations. And somehow in the midst of it all, they find an essence of hope. For this life, we have hope in resurrection power. In Romans 8, it says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He will give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit that lives in you. Folks, the very power that raised Christ from the dead, that very power is at work in our lives, in the essence of what we face day in and day out. Now, I don't know how always the Spirit works. I can't always define how the Spirit works, but I do know that in moments of our deepest need, we cry out to Him, and the power that raised Christ from the dead offers us encouragement and gives us strength. Philippians 3 says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection. I want to participate in His sufferings. That's the side we don't want to really acknowledge, but it's true. Become like Him in His death and somehow attain the resurrection of the dead. So we have resurrection power as we participate in this life with Christ. But more importantly, as the midst of it, we anticipate the next chapter of the lives as believers beyond the grave. I don't think there was a day in the life of the apostles that they did not hope that this day they could be in the presence of Christ. After spending that time with Him, nothing more, they longed to be with Him. They longed to be with Him. The hope of heaven was a reality for them every day of their lives as they talked about what's called the blessed hope. But I want you to read, listen to these words that are hopeful for us as we live today and in the anticipation. Brothers and sisters, I want you to be informed about those who have fallen asleep, that you not grieve like the rest who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's Word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, and certainly will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive are caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord forever. And He says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. talking to somebody who was, was, was dying and, and I asked him, who do you most want to see when you get to heaven? Jesus was the word. We long to see people that we love and we long to see our family and friends, but he immediately said, I want to see Jesus. And folks, when Christ returns, it's a powerful reality. The anticipation of his coming, the, the anticipation of the hope we have that someday we will be raised and we will be with him.
a powerful passage as we have been studying this summer the book of, Revela- uh, book of Revelation because we've studied heaven in a, in a book study. And these passages are so powerful that I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the new city, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven as God has prepared a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among people and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he be their God. He will wipe away all the tears from our eyes on that occasion. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain. The old order has passed away because he is making everything new. The combination of the earth and heaven reuniting in one entity in this earth God will dwell with His people and they will be with Him. He will wipe away the tears of pain, the tears we experience now that Jesus wept and as we weep, He'll wipe away all those tears because there's no more death, no more mourning, no more crying that's associated with pain in the presence of God because He's going to make everything new. The hope for Eden will be realized to a greater extent. And these words, John says, are trustworthy and true. Folks, I can't tell you enough how significant it is to realize even what you're going through today. And some of you are going through some very, very deep waters. Very, very difficult times. I want to remind you that you have resurrection power. The power of God, the very presence of the Spirit of God, as we cry out to Him at our times of greatest need, offers us that internal strength that internal comfort that the Spirit offers and sometimes through His people and gives us strength today. But folks, the great hope is that this is not always going to be like this. What we see in this world that we weep over is not going to be here forever. But there's a new reality. A new reality that's going to be unbelievable. Where Jesus won't have to weep anymore. Where we won't have to weep anymore. And if we do weep, It will be weeping for joy in the presence of God. Folks, every day we need to think about that. Every day we need to anticipate and look forward to the coming of our Savior Jesus, who is the Christ. Let's pray. Oh, our gracious God, we we thank you that you have expressed to us the deep sense of your heart As we see unfolding on the very pages of the Scriptures, we see Jesus weeping. And Father, we recognize, as you have made us in your image, that we also, as we reach out and as we care and as we experience life, even the pain of life, we weep. But Father, we weep with hope. Hope in resurrection power, now and for all eternity. Amen.